the Culture Guy podcast. Straight back from the CTAR USA annual conference. And with a guest who can show us the way to the bank. Or rather, tell us how to crack the code of the bank. everybody it's a pleasure to know that you're listening to the culture guy podcast it's been two weeks already since the last episode thanks for staying true to the show and i just want to give a big shout out to the entire team at CETAR usa who put together a marvelous annual conference it was held in tulsa oklahoma and if you're thinking about joining the organization, I would like to encourage you to do that soon. Also to make plans to attend the next annual conference in San Diego. I was not quite sure why it took me so long to become a member of this organization and attend this conference. And there were quite a few people who I knew through either social media or whom I worked with in the past who were there and said, hey, Christian, what took you so long? Glad you're here. And I also had the pleasure to present there, so that was quite an honor. I look forward to more interaction with CETAR, and if you're in the intercultural field, if you work across cultures or help others to cross cultures, this is an environment of people, this is a group of people that all work along this goal, and you should be there. So enough with the CETAR, there will be, check their CETAR uh, um, social media handles or check their blog at CETARUSA.org. I'm sure you'll find a recap of this year's event and also information about how you can become a member. Today I would like to introduce you to a friend of mine who is, well, right now she's in California, but she's also all over the world all the time. She's originally from the East Coast of the United States. And her spouse is from the Netherlands, so she is not only living in a multi or inter intercultural relationship, she also has lived across many countries throughout her lifetime. And she is the founder and CEO of a company called Bank Code, a personality assessment tool which goes beyond or in a different direction than many other assessment tools like DISC or Myers-Briggs and uh, whatnot. Um, you know, if you're in this field, you, I'm sure you come across some of these assessment tools. And Bank is a little different. We are not talking too much about this on this interview, but you'll find in the show notes the link to the website and how you can crack your bank code. Just make sure you check the blog post for this episode to be led to those websites and to these web links. And Sherry got into this by having lived across culture. So I don't want to bore you with my recap of what her life was like. Why don't we let her do that? 
All right, Sherry, welcome on the Culture Guy podcast. Thanks for making yourself available. Where are you today in the world? I'm actually in beautiful Laguna Beach, California. So at home. Yeah. However, you get around quite a bit, don't you? <laughs> I do. I just got back from a business trip to Singapore for the last two weeks. How was that? It was awesome. Was this your first time? No, you know what? I've been to Singapore uh, many times over the past several years. We have a, a pretty big business hub over there, but uh, I always love to go back. Nice. And this is a good uh, example of how you do get around, quote unquote. Uh, we've met before, as I told the audience, um, and you've been basically traveling the world since you were a kid, right? It, it, your, your family passed on the, the Global Explorer book to you, didn't they? Yes, they did. I inherited it for sure. My dad was a, a military man working for the United States Air Force and was a fighter pilot. And we got a lot of amazing um, places that we were stationed at, so to speak. So my first international experience was when I was turning five years old and my family moved us off to southern France. So that was a great first experience. So you experienced the French school system and French childhood, basically, um, on, on, a, on a scale from one to 10, 10 being perfect nowadays, how would you rank your French language skills? <laughs> Not perfect, but at one point, you know, I was, of course, totally fluent and I spoke French more than English. And it's actually kind of a funny story because my parents thought it would be fun to put their kids straight into international um, local schools rather than English speaking schools so full immersion and uh, my first day of school was kindergarten over there turning five years old and I went off to school and my mom helped me pack my little backpack and I came home from my first day and my mom loves to tell the story and you know she's like Sherry what did you learn today and I said blah 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 bonjour <laughs> blah, 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 bonjour is the only word I learned on my first day of school and of course the rest is always history so if you were to meet parents today who are um, facing that challenge or that opportunity however they want to look at it of raising a child outside the parents um, native language area um, would you encourage parents to send their children to a, a, a multi language or multilingual school or to the school of the local language in order to to learn right away or would you rather keep them in the native language as long as possible no you know what I recommend that they learn foreign languages as early as possible because you know I'm not an expert in linguistics but I do know that the earlier you learn it the easier it is and today I have a fascination for languages I've learned four of them as an adult and bits and parts of dozens of different languages as I've traveled the world and it's just such a fascinating awesome experience but some people have a hard time learning a foreign language if they didn't start when they were a child learning how to really you know slice your brain up into different languages early yeah and, and many parents fear that their children may not develop one language properly so you're I mean just listening to you I've, I've heard you speak before you have full command native um, native speaker full command of the English language even though you spent several years in France as a child so that argument is mute then right yeah I mean 
I, I would agree. Of course, we always had our mother tongue that we spoke in the home, but like, for example, for three years in France, when I was five, six, and seven years old, everything outside the home was spoken in French, mm -hmm. and, and inside the home, of course, we spoke English. So um, it was a great practice of being bilingual from a very early age. How many other countries did you live in and, or maybe work in as an adult? You know, France was my first international experience, and we traveled all over Europe on vacation, so we went to all the different countries, which was fun. But uh, my dad was stationed. Um, another one of our international assignments was over in Tunisia, Africa, which was French-speaking and also Arabic, and they did not have an American high school there. So actually, at that point, my, my parents shipped myself and my twin brothers off to boarding school in London and I graduated from a military department of defense school in London, England and spent my vacations and summers and whatnot in Africa. So that was another really cool experience. And then another one of my dad's assignments was to Korea and my family ended up living over in Korea for eight years. And this was, this was as I reached, uh, graduated from high school and going into college. I spent three of my summers traveling to South Korea where I was an English teacher. I taught English as a second language over there. And um, that was a pretty cool experience. And that's what helped me pay my way through college was earning that money. Mm -hmm. And then later on, um, you know, I studied German in college. I'd never lived in Germany, but I, I thought the German language sounded cool. <laughs> and so I thought, you know. You're, you're one I'm, of the very few people who would say that, but thank you for well, that. Well, come on, you know, Einstein, <laughs> what in the heck are we doing here, right? You know, so I thought German sounded cool, so I studied it for a year. And then I actually uh, was a missionary for my church, and I went over to Romania for a year and a half, and I got to learn the Romanian language rather fluently. So I just, I'm fascinated by languages and people and cultures, and I just absolutely love it. Nice. So you, you cross cultures both as a child, as a student, and then later as an adult. When and how did you experience that people in different countries, different cultures have certain behavioral quirks that are not the same that you're familiar or that you would quote unquote find normal um, at home. When, when did that become aware to, uh, or when did you become aware of that? Well, you know what? Um, I think because I was blessed at an early age with living internationally, it was, it was normal that cultures and groups and people were different. Um, but different didn't mean bad and different didn't mean wrong. Different just meant different. And I learned early on to embrace, embrace whatever that culture Uh, was and to you know to be one with the people kind of like the old saying of when in Rome you know do as the Romans do so it really let me adapt very easily and quickly no matter what culture or what language I was in because you were young when you started doing that how, how often did you encounter fellow Americans that also thought it would be best to do as the Romans do however they struggled really hard to do as the Romans do because they were not Romans they were Americans did, did you see other Americans struggle with that well yeah I think if you don't travel a lot from an early age and uh, you know if you're the type of person that grew up in one place in one neighborhood in one city your entire life and then you go somewhere else is going to feel very shocking 
It's probably going to be easy to judge. You're probably not going to like everything because it's outside of your comfort zone. And you might find that people are strange or cultures are strange or food is strange or language is strange or whatever. And, and you're probably feeling like other people are looking at you the same way, which is probably true. If you can't adapt very easily, it's going to be more difficult. But if you become a global citizen, so to speak, it's certainly a lot easier. Did you ever feel strange? I am strange. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's a trick question. <laughs> we, we, we all are, aren't we? You know, no, but, I mean, what, did, what, was there ever a situation where you were in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a situation where you realized, dang it, I think I screwed this one up or I don't understand what's going on. What am I doing? Well, I think the first thing that feels strange in any culture is when you don't understand the language because it, it just feels totally awkward. You don't know what people are saying in conversations. Sometimes you know they might be talking about you and you have no idea what's being said. Um, it's just, it, it's it's really a challenging situation. So uh, one, I tried to learn the language as quickly as possible so that I could, uh, you know, feel a, feel a little less awkward. And then there's always going to be those awkward moments. I remember we were living in Hawaii and my mom and dad sat us down for dinner and the conversation started out, hey kids, uh, guess where we're moving for our next assignment? And then my mom pipes in and says, go ahead and start with continents. <laughs> you know? mm. And that's when they broke the news to us over dinner that we were moving to Africa. And it was gonna be for my, my junior year and my senior year. And I started having these visions like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go to tribal meetings and there's gonna be people dancing around the fire and you know, skulls on people's spears, and <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. And of course, it was nothing like that, but in my imagination, it was. And maybe the imagination was was uh, fueled by the stereotypes about Africa that you were presented with up to that age, right? And, and stereotypes can be rather misleading unless we either find them to be accurate or, or bust those myths once we once we encounter Africa or whatever strange world. Yeah, I mean, you know, my family subscribed to the National Geographic magazine. So, of course, my my interpretation of Africa was, was these tribal, you know, uh, communities and where we moved. And, and, and sure, there are those parts of Africa, but where we were moving was on the northernmost tip of Africa in a very Arabic community and so it was completely different than anything that my world in my mind thought that Africa was but you know once you get there you get to obviously immerse yourself in what is so the Arabic world is in in today's news cycle um, sometimes a rather contentious place of conversation so how did you as a young woman experience the Arabic world back in those years Yeah, you know what, that, that is actually probably one of the uh, more difficult cultures that I had integrating and uh, partly because, you know, their view of women, number one, is very different. Uh, I remember going out with my family on weekends for, to a restaurant or something, for example, and you would not see any women anywhere. It was just all of the men drinking and smoking on the street corners and There was never women with them, for example, or the, the clothes that they wear and, and how they dress themselves, very different. Um, I remember going to the bazaar, right, where this, it's kind of like the piazza or the, 
uh, I don't even know what the English word for that is. I guess the market. Uh, or... Yeah, the market. <laughs> you know, in America, you don't really go to a market, maybe a farmer's market, but they don't really have markets like they do internationally. And, and uh, a guy was uh, bartering with my dad, offering my dad 400 camels if he could have me, you know, and it's like, uh, dad, don't don't do the deal. <laughs> he, he was close to giving in though, right? I mean, 400 I camels, come on. He thought about it. <laughs> so and I guess being, uh, you're blonde, right? So blonde female yeah. in, in Northern Africa, that's of course something that attracts views. Yeah, right? you know what? You're very different. You stand out. And of course, you know, you learn also to protect yourself because sometimes you walk in crowded places and people will grab you and in strange places that they probably shouldn't be grabbing you in. And, and you know, there's there's always that element that you have to learn how to adapt quickly and safely, so to speak. Um, but overall, I just I had amazing experiences everywhere. So you said Northern Africa was probably one of the rather or more difficult uh, areas of the world for you to to feel at home as a female um any yeah. any other any other memories of, of challenges you had on your on your global travels mm, you know romania wasn't easy either i was i lived over there from 1993 to 1995 and that was right after uh Ceausescu, the the country leader had been assassinated and the fall of communism and the com the country was just coming out of you know an era of communistic dictatorship and ruling and um there was quite a uh, you know there was the local romanian people and then there's the transient gypsy people mm -hmm. um you know that that kind of make their living in their own way the city and, and the roma right yeah yeah yeah. So were you, as an American, either as a child, teenager, or young adult overseas, were you ever confronted with negative stereotypes that these countries had of Americans? Did you ever feel like yeah. you were you know put what? in a there's, box? Yeah, there's certainly people who, uh, who judged Americans as being um, arrogant or automatically wealthy. Um, I had a really awkward situation happen to me in Romania. At the end of my mission, there was a family, a local family who had volunteered to um, take my family. My, my mom and dad were going to come pick me up from my mission and we were going to do a little tour of the country of Romania before I went home. And this local family volunteered to take my fam my parents and I on a trip around the the uh, country for a week or so and you know it was of course by that point I was fluent in Romanian so it's not like I didn't understand what they were saying but on our very last stop they asked for our passports and there was just something fishy that was going on and I could feel it and uh, sure enough they ended up stealing our passports hmm. and I knew where the family lived so you know, a couple days later, we go over to their home and, you know, I ask them back for my passports and they literally held my passports hostage and they wanted a ransom, you know, for ridiculous amounts of money. And uh, the family, you know, was saying things that were insulting me for being an American and saying how rich we were and that, you know, this was the least that we could do was to pay him all this amount of money. And, you know, it was really 
a crappy situation. And it, it really broke my heart at the end of that trip because I had spent the last year and a half of my life loving the people and serving the people and going to the orphanages and taking care of babies that didn't have families and building homes and doing all of those things. And then to kind of end my whole year and a half experience with this hostile situation. And I remember the guy said he was going to call the police and get us so that we couldn't leave the country. And I mean, it got really weird and my mom became terrified and never wanted to go back. And that was kind of a bummer. So what would you recommend to people who go abroad either for life, um, for work, for mission, for an assignment, and they are indeed confronted with either hostility or with um, outlandish stereotypes of what uh, um, Americans are like or what, what they represent out in the world? What, what would you recommend? Well, I mean, obviously be safe and be smart and not foolish. And, you know, I would never give someone your passport anymore. <laughs> um, I wouldn't go out flaunting wads of cash or, or acting like an idiot. And, um, you know, you, you want to fit in. You want to wear the clothes of the culture. You want to wear the colors of the culture. You want to, you want to, You want to be nice and polite, but you don't want to be naive and vulnerable. So those are some of the things. All right. And in order to fit in and, and, and get a better read and, and understanding of the culture that you're going into, what are some of the things that you would advise first-timers who go abroad uh, for more than travel for an extended period? What, what are some pieces of advice you would have for people who venture out um, how to read the situation that they're confronted with fast and, and efficiently in order to fit in and, and do as the Romans do. Yeah, you know, one of the first things my spouse recommended uh, the book series called The Lonely Planet, and those are awesome. So before I go to a foreign country now, I'll, I'll grab a copy of The Lonely Planet for that region and read through it, and it's just, it's really cool, and it's got really great advice. Um, so number one, I would pay attention to that. And number two is I would get, depending on how long you're there, get connected with both the locals. Like when I travel with business, I always have local business people who do a great job of taking care of me and, and making sure that, you know, I, I follow their advice, what restaurants or when to use taxis versus Ubers and where to change your money at the airport or not at the airport, you know, some of those types of tips. Mm -hmm. And I'd also look for the expats, you know, the, the locals, uh, the non-locals who are living there and have acclimated to that environment because they're always going to give you some really great tips and tricks on where to go and what to do. So basically, do your homework before you go, know before you go. Yeah, you know, that's just, that's just smart in general. We live in a world where, unfortunately, there's also every time you turn on the news, some form of tragedy or bomb blowing up or crazy things that's happening. And we can't take that for granted either. So you want to be safe and you want to plan ahead. Right. And you and your business that you're working in and on for the past, I don't know how many years, um, you've developed a system that might be very helpful in finding out who you're dealing with very quickly, right? You're, you're the founder of Bank Code. Um, in, in a nutshell, in, in less than a minute, how, what, what is Bank Code and how does it help people um, understanding their new counterpart quickly? 
Well, bank code is based in personality science. So it's basically understanding the personality profile of the person you're dealing with. And where most personality assessments like DISC or MBTI or some of those other pro programs are, are more about who you are, ours is more about who the customer is or who the person is that you're dealing with and how do they operate, what's driving them, uh, their motives, their behaviors, their performance, and it's value-based. So we built a, an entire global company teaching people how do you assess what someone's personality code is or what we would call their bank code and then how do you communicate, negotiate, or do business with them differently based on their code. Excellent. Well, we'll post a link to that assessment in the show notes. So if people want to find out what their bank code is and how to use that tool, they can, right, by just clicking the link in the show notes. Um, how else can people get in touch with you? What, what social media profiles would you like them to check out? Yeah, you know what? Take take that assessment. If you're listening to this, it's a, it's a free gift on behalf of the show here, and it'll give you a really cool synopsis. It takes less than 90 seconds, and I think you'll be fascinated by it. And to know more about us, our website is bankcode.com. Mm -hmm. And in social media, you can follow us uh, on Facebook slash The Bank Code or Twitter. Uh, our hashtag is The Bank Code, okay. and uh, you can find us out there. Excellent. We'll, we'll post all of that so people will be able to reach out to you using all those links. Sherry, it was a pleasure having you on. I know you're busy. I know you're you're on the way to the next destination, a world traveler for life. Um, thank you so much for being on the program, and I look forward to meeting you in person again soon and maybe at, uh, at a location where we can actually record a, another episode far, far away from the United States. Yeah, cool. That would be awesome. Thanks, Christian. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. The Bank Code Cracker, Sherry Tree. If you would like to crack your bank code, your personality type, you just follow the link in the show notes or you can if you are in a safe place where you can take notes you can go to mybankcoach.com forward slash hoofle h-o-e-f-e-r-l-e which just happens to be my last name again that is mybankcoach.com forward slash hoofle if that's too hard to write down for you, then just go to the show notes, go to the blog post, you'll find the link, you'll find her Twitter feed, you'll find Sherry's LinkedIn, her Facebook, it's all there. Oh, what did I mention? It is free. It only takes 90 seconds to do the assessment. You get an email with your debrief so it's all seamless easy and of course you also want to give her facebook page a like it is facebook.com forward slash the bank code and while you're there 
you want to scoot over to facebook.com forward slash the culture guy give that a like and share it with your networks and also go to facebook.com forward slash the culture mastery if you haven't done so already which i think you have right and then go over to twitter my handle is Hoefere, H-O-E-F-E-R-L-E. And we also have a company handle, which is at Culture Mastery. We always like people who share our stuff, and some of you do, and we are very grateful. Thank you, guys. So this was it for now. Sherry Tree, Bank Code, check it out, and we will hear each other or rather you will hear of me and the culture guy podcast again in a couple of weeks thanks guys take care and remember always trust your process